OPN Ask an Angel podcasts are conversations with global angel investors and venture capitalists. We explore how to invest, understanding investment strategies, and approaches to due diligence. Join us and learn what it takes to be a startup or what it takes to invest in the next great company. Welcome, Carl. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, today pleasure. we are at uh, the OPN Ask an Angel, and um, where we interview and get to learn what investors are looking for uh, to help early stage founders figure out how they can better improve um, their approach to investors. And Carl, I think that uh, we've had uh, many conversations over the last year that you've been back in Toronto and uh, working with G10 and the, the group. And of course, um, a couple conversations prior to this. And one thing I found is that we're very similar on so many elements of how we look at startups and how we want to help them and how we help them focus on um, being investor ready versus where everybody else is kind of taking this different approach is where I'm trying to make you business ready. And I feel that you're ready for investing, but I really don't know that approach because I'm not an investor. Um, but before we dive into all of that, um, I'd love to kind of take a step back and maybe you can give a little bit of a background and introduction to um, kind of where you've come from, a little bit about your background uh, and then where you are today. And then there's one question is one thing about you that nobody would know. <laughs> All right. Uh, great. Well, <clears throat> I, uh, I'm the child of immigrant parents. My, my, and my heritage is important to me. My, uh, both my father and mother uh, themselves had a very entrepreneurial journey in the Netherlands where I was born <clears throat> and, and, and continued on in Canada. Uh, they, in turn, came from very entrepreneurial grandparents on both sides. Uh, so aunts and uncles, everybody, everybody was in business or had a business or <laughs> was in business for themselves uh, or were in business with other members of the family. And that was just kind of the, uh, we didn't, growing up like that as kids, you didn't really, you heard about people whose parents worked for other people. And you 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 finally got to meet someone when you went to school, uh, and uh, you you thought well, that's interesting. You go work for someone else, okay? Uh, and so, but it's just in our DNA uh, to to be entrepreneurial. But but of course, as growing up in that environment, I also saw the high and low of that. So I kind of swore that off. I thought that's not the life for me. That is way too risky. There's way too much up and down in the family and what have you. So for the first twenty years of my life, I pursued a corporate path. Uh, and, uh, but, but I was always extremely, uh, what, what I coined as intrapreneurial. So working within corporate environments, uh, fight and always being first at trying something or being innovative and being creative, uh, uh, you know, figuring like finding products that weren't selling and then figuring out how to sell them and create markets for them. Uh, or, you know, a, a disruptive way of doing something, which most of the organization hates change, uh, embraced that change and ended up at, at a very young and early age with a tremendous amount of responsibility. But, you know, in my early 20s, I was, uh, was running a sales organization, uh, had about a team of 48 people in, in a corporate environment, uh, had very quickly been recognized as sort of a, you know, a, a, it just it was you know it was what came to me and just the way it was in that organization stayed there for some time uh invariably uh in the early 90s uh uh you know wasn't had again good opportunity to be to be attracted to very entrepreneurial corporate environments uh 
and again, be the new, whether it was a new startup in a corporate environment or a new business unit within a corporate environment, or also if they had business units that weren't doing well or weren't performing well. And, uh, and most being young at the time, uh, you know, most of the senior guys would never want to take on a, a underperforming business because uh, it's got great political risk to them. Uh, as a young guy, I mean, if I fail, that's what people expected me to do. Uh, so, uh, but if you're a young guy and you take on what looks like it can be failure and then you don't fail, um, you, you earn your street cred pretty quickly. So, uh, you know, now looking at that past, uh, it all makes sense to me. But at the time, it was, uh, you know, a very, a very uh, fun time. But and, and also seeing that uh, a lot of almost, you know, here's my value prop to when people ask me about me. I go, well, every boss I've ever worked for is seven or eight figures richer after having worked, having me work for them. Uh, I said, that's the value prop. Uh, but at some point you say, well, maybe I should do that for myself uh, as well. So uh, we, you know, started to in the uh, started to look for opportunities to be more entrepreneurial and get a piece of the action. Uh, and, uh, and that's kind of led me further in life to uh, ultimately, you know, start to embrace the, the DNA that I'd been fighting, I'd been fighting and, and to be entrepreneurial. Uh, my last uh, venture was a business in, in uh, based out of Vancouver. It was about a $4 million business. Uh, the owners had held it for about 10 years. It was, they bought it. It was a $4 million business. 10 years later, it was a $4 million business. Uh, they asked me to come in uh, at that time. I'd, I'd come off of uh, running the European subsidiaries for, for a public company in Europe that I turned around. And uh, prior to that, I had a role on Bay Street at, a, at another company. So I'd run you know, 200, 200 people sized companies inside these companies and these guys came to me with you know would you like to do this and this was a four million dollar business and they hadn't done anything that small like till till like in my early 20s but i thought well here's the personal challenge carl can you create something out of nothing with nothing can you take a business that's got no resources it's got no brand that's got no awareness and can you do something with that so that was more of a personal challenge for me uh, and I was very, very fortunate to attract an amazing team around me of people uh, initially who, who, who believed uh, my vision. Because when you're an entrepreneur, that's probably one of the biggest things is uh, convincing other people to believe in your, your vision more as much as you do. Uh, so I was able to attract and retain some amazing people. And, and uh, by 2017, we exited that business. Uh, we had grown that business to 225 million, uh, and uh, uh, and really uh, changed uh, the way uh, consumer lending is done in Canada today. Uh, when we started, it was uh, very much a fill out paper forms, human people decide the credit, uh, fill out paper forms, hand in paper forms, sign paper forms, uh, and when we left. We ran that whole business. We did about ten million dollars a month via mobile device, fully digital, fully you know artificial, uh, full with algorithms that adjudicated the contract signing. The whole process was digital, um, and uh, so that was around seventeen. And uh, and and then uh, so it wasn't long before I was approached by other people. 
Uh, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do now? Um, and so I started uh, hearing about this angel investing thing um, as a word. I didn't know what that was. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, I, I got involved with Angel uh, Vancouver Forum, which is an angel group out of Vancouver, and Vantech, which is out in Vancouver, started going to the pitch meetings and, and seeing that. And then uh, other people I knew in the community were start ha getting, getting startups going would have come to me and say, hey, do you want to get involved? Do you want to, uh, a lot of times in, in growth advisory and startup advisory, because you've, you know, you kind of, you've got the battle scars, you've been there and done that. And so that's kind of how that went. We had plans to return to Toronto. Uh, just waited for our youngest son to finish his middle school. And, and so in 18, we made the jump and we moved back here. Uh, we, in the meantime, we'd also started another business, which is a sell side M&A advisory business uh, with some other former colleagues. So my partner in that business is in Vancouver and I'm out here in Toronto and we're taking lower middle market traditional businesses to market and selling effectively baby boomer controlled private companies to the private equity uh, and uh, strategic buyers. So, um, you know, I, I think I've got about two dozen organizations that I have been involved in or I am involved in or in my track record. Uh, so it's all kind of just... Uh, it, it's not really work. It's just, you know, I don't know. Some people get up and their natural inclination to do a lot of physical sports activity. Other people, uh, you know, and I'm just, it's just kind of who I am and what I do. I, I, I'm, as I say, I'm a deal junkie uh, and, uh, you know, need my fix. <laughs> I love it. You're kind of just moving pieces around. You're making sure that things are going here and moving here to get this done and moving that. And I think that's a, a great way to keep active. And the angel world is very active. So there's lots of deal flow and lots of things going on there. So uh, that's always um, uh, great to participate in. But it's also great when you can bring in a lot of that experience to help out uh, a lot of these uh, young entrepreneurs. Um, you uh, First, I love the Netherlands. I'm a big fan. Been there a bunch of times. Um, some, something that really kind of jumped out to me and you mentioned it when you were uh, at the beginning, when you were talking about, uh, your business strength and, and, uh, where you took over this business and decided to jump in and risk all of it, because really the only option was either I fail or I win. And if I win, I'm going to look good. So why not try for it? But there was one thing that stood out in it and you mentioned it in a different format a couple of times, but it was people aligning to your vision and to your mission which I'm going to say they're very similar. Maybe you can talk a little bit more about that because I think in the world of entrepreneurship, this seems to be something that doesn't really get a lot of attention. And I think it also um, changes the culture of a business when those things are aligned, but it also, I think, drives a lot of energy and spirit amongst the people in the business when they have a vision or when they have um, this mission that they're going towards. And how do you help these startups actually get into that train of thought so that they can have a successful business because they have these things aligned? Um, well, I, I think I've had some great mentors who, so the, a lot of this is from experience and from mentors teaching me. So firstly, I, I'm not the architect or the, uh, the, 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 the first to come across this, but I've had some great mentors point this out to me. And what, when, when investors look for a founding team, 
why are we looking for a founding team? Well, you have to convince two other people besides yourself that this crazy idea might go. Um, so there's a, there's a validation going on. But those, two, those three individuals often also have a lot of shared, shared traits and values. And that's the beginning of the culture. Um, the, the culture is simply how we do things around here. And uh, often naturally, the, there's natural qualities where you, have, where you have different, where you're different and where you overlap. And it's just different. It's not recognizing the differences and, and the, the, where you have the shared purpose, shared circumstance, but also where you are different and seeing both of those as strengths. And then ultimately, as you start to uh, now, most companies initially, you don't, it's all about, you know, getting that product made, getting those first customers and, but culture is happening, whether you like it or not. Culture is like, you know, the, 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 the 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 person that sees every problem as a challenge or the person that sees every possible as an impossible task and and has a long list of why we can't do that versus uh, the end of, uh, on, in startups it's it's all about find a way uh you know the 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 vision was we're going to sell this but the buyers came for that throw this away we're selling this now that's that's pivoting right what do people want to buy from you? What do they value from you? And that's part of the culture. Some people just, they, they can't be in that environment. They need to steady, steady eddy, needs a steady pace, needs, needs the, what the rules are and, and often are under rules. So if we got to get a pro- proposal done, uh, JP, we're going to do it Saturday. We're going to do it Sunday. We're going to do it until it's, and we're going to get it done. And we're going to, and, and that's what, what, a, what, a, what is part of that culture. And, and your culture is happening, whether you like it or not. But as you start to get a little bigger, when the company doesn't fit around the kitchen table anymore, when the company starts to need a whole house, right? Then you start to have, as leaders, you start to have some introspective time to go, are there qualities or values that we need to intentionally foster? And we get to that too, because sometimes you're lacking certain values in your culture. And as leaders, you need to be self-aware, and then you start to 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 intentionally foster culture uh, values that you may not inherently aren't because it's not all about the leader's personality or the two or three, but the, there's also differences that you may not possess, and those you've got to identify and go. You know, uh, one of my one company I was involved in, we were all very what you would define as very uh, compliant values, we were, you know, compliant natures, sort of uh, people that you would define as very expert. And we, and what experts do is they, they, they silo everything. You're, you're the manufacturing, you're the development, you're the marketing, you're the sales and leave me alone. And I do my thing. And what's the weakness in that is collaboration. Experts don't like, because we just rely, I just rely on your expertise and you rely on mine and we both just expect everybody to do the, the right thing. And most of the time we do, but sometimes we don't, right? So you need is to foster this, collaboration. Does this align yeah. into the, um, there's all these different methodologies on how you structure a team, especially early on. Like you said, you've got two, three people that are starting this business. So is this really something that you got to focus on over that pre-seed and seed round area where you're looking at the skills, you're looking at the accomplishments, 
And is that that term like, uh, what is it? Higher, fast, fire, uh, no, what is it? Fire quickly. There's some term that is. Yeah, yeah you want to you you hire, hire slow and fire quick. That's the one. So is that right. is that kind of a methodology that everybody should look at? Because it sounds like if you're not, you're, you're building a culture, but it's building itself. So if you don't have the right people in that mix, your team's not going to be as successful. You're not going to be able to stick to that vision or that mission. So should you be looking at these types of formulas that will help you move forward quickly? So yes and no. Um, in early days, it's your, your business is like an infant. Uh, it needs a tremendous amount of attention, care and attention, and it's, it's just crying all the time for cash. That's what, when you, if you're wondering what a baby's doing, he's just crying for cash. Uh, that's your business. So you, you just got to nurture it. You gotta, but eventually it starts to become a child. It becomes an adolescent. And at that point, uh, it starts to have a personality. And it, it, it starts to talk back, right? Uh, and that's where value imprinting, um, you've already done it as leaders, um, right? So if, if you're not authentic as an individual, um, it, people already know, the team already knows. If you're not, you know, if your word isn't, if what you promise, if you, what you do, your actions don't match your, your language, people already know. Um, you know, leadership demands always the most from the leader. Um, right. And that's why they talk about it's lonely at the top. So I, I would, I would say, you know, it, it really self-awareness so that, um, you know, don't set expectations that you yourself can't meet, uh, be authentic, be real, really. That's, uh, you know, people know we're going to make mistakes. Uh, but if you've built that, if you've got credibility, if you've been sincere throughout, uh, and you can own up to your mistakes, um, uh, people will, uh, people have a lot of time for sincere, honest individuals, uh, you know, be forthright and own your mistakes, uh, in, in getting, because your business is going to have some, you're going to hit, you have some bumps and bruises, uh, you know, but if you, if you're respectful and you're always respectful, um, and you stop, you know, all those things get tested, when you can't make payroll all those things get tested is when that big demo goes out terribly all those things get tested um in in the early days of building that culture and i've had the great fortune that sometimes when i meet people i've worked with you know years ago and you run into them and you just reminisce about the those remember when we were doing this and it almost didn't work and we thought for sure we lost it but then it came through like these are just, you know, these are great war stories. And that comes because I've had the good fortune to work with a lot of great people uh, and collaborate and have some amazing colleagues along the way. Um, you know, so yeah, it's, like you know. And I enjoy the, the, the comparison to that child personality and moving on to the youth and becoming an adult, your business that way. Um, I think it is a good way for people to resonate that, you know, you're going to start off and there's a lot of crying. There's a lot of trying to figure out what we all do and what we're trying to achieve. And as you start to grow, you start to learn with each other. You're, the culture's growing, the vision's starting to come out and you're starting to get that path and direction where you can all align and, and move forward. So then you're getting into your strategies, your crawl, walk, run and all those good things. But 
uh, I think those make a, a really big difference in your business for sure. Is when you start working with the, with these startup companies and you're looking at making an investment or kind of diving into these companies, is there something that stands out to you the most that you really want to uh, foster inside of this business? Is something that you're drawn to? Is it um, the product? Is it the team? Is it the financials? What is it that really has you driven into that business to want to help? Uh, probably the number one thing is, 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 is coachability uh, of, of, the, of the individuals. Uh, was it Confucius? Uh, you know, the, the teacher can teach when the student is ready to learn. Uh, and, and that, right, uh, or somebody has said to me, you know, if, uh, if there's room, if there's room for your ideas, uh, and, and you find that quick enough, uh, if there is or not, right? Because often people will give you lip service, but they're, um, you know, um, it, it, you see it quick enough. So, you know, coachability is probably one of the most valuable things is if, if I'm there to be in any kind of, uh, mentor role uh if i'm not in any kind of mentor role well then then it's just purely clinical financial transaction um and we can go that way too uh as long as you you know be careful what you ask for <laughs> just that kind of investor is 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 much more challenging to uh, uh partner with because you 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 as the founder you set the terms no for sure and you're right there is such a big indifference between an investor that's coming in and building a relationship with you and growing within your business and helping you close a deal or helping you understand something a little bit differently versus pushing you driving you to hit these numbers driving you to move forward so you got to kind of decide what's going to be better for your business and at the time as well because those are both warranted in any business um getting the right push reporting into somebody that's going to help you drive it if that's on a board or whatever that might be. Um, one, of the, one of the things that, uh, uh, and the reason why we're kind of talking about all this stuff is it's all around shaping this business and, uh, or shaping the startup. And one of the things that uh, I was uh, doing an interview yesterday and, and the, uh, uh, Matt, the, the gentleman I was interviewing, he said, you know, there's no fast way to building a company. You build it in the same kind of sequence all the way through. And um, I think that that's a, a great way of looking at it uh, because it, it is correct. There isn't, you can't just go from crawling to running at high speed and not have any road bumps or any, any miss that occurs that are things that occur during that. But in that process where you're trying to organize your business and really understand what you're trying to achieve and where you're trying to go, uh, there's one thing that always stands out, which is how do I make myself investable and how do I get myself ready for where somebody sees value in my company. And then they start to go out and talk to angels. And one thing that I uh, really liked about something that you had done, and I wanted to see how that transitioned into where you're helping these companies look for funding, was that um, you went and took a course to become board certified. So I'd love to learn a little bit more about that process because I think that's actually quite uh, clever uh, because you're learning this whole a lot of people take these board seats, but I don't think there's a lot of knowledge of how they actually work or what's the premise behind them and what value that actually comes back to the business and how you actually steer a company to be able to keep raising and keep going in the right direction. 
and not fail. So maybe you can share a little bit about that and how it really helps in your drive of getting these companies further along in their business. Um, so I think what you're referring to is the Institute of Corporate Directors, which is a, a, a U of T and Simon Fraser University and, and a lot of other universities. Um, uh, so more and more in, in the public company space, uh, they're, they're looking for expert directors. And so the ICD.D designation uh, acknowledges that it's an, a year long program. Um, and uh, really you're, you're, you know, what is corporate governance and you're taught what your role as a director is, your fiduciary responsibility, your duty of care. Uh, and it really applies great to, to public companies and in the uh, large board space. Um, everything you learn there, uh, obviously, you, you know, anything you learn anywhere, you can apply somewhere else sometimes too. Um, typically with startups, I wouldn't recommend taking board seats in startups. Um, often you're taking more personal liability than, than, than upside, uh, but board advisory roles can accomplish, uh, can give the, the management team the benefit of that sage advice and, uh, it, can, and it can give uh, advisors and mentors uh, a way that to be helpful without having to take the potential liability that may come with uh, being a director. And, and there's, you know, the, the, with after Enron, the role of the director substantially changed uh, internal controls and, and the role of the audit function and segregation of duty substantially changed. And, and uh, it's become a lot, lot, lot more riskier to become a corporate director. Uh, so, um, um, uh, as, as part of our exit or our transition strategy in our life was happening, I thought this would, this would become an area of my life. So that's why I, I think in 15 or 16, that's when I, when I took that program and, uh, uh, so it's been, it's been, uh, uh you know, it, it's, it, it, it allows you to have those kinds of conversations that, uh, at an early stage, but it's not usually a big part of the startup big the big part in the startup world is is customer validation <laughs> getting cat increasing you know, where do i get my finding cat finding cash and customer validation um i i you know i've looked at so many decks uh, if, if, if you're sending a deck to me before you tell me the problem i, I want to know if you got traction like if you got traction, that tells me somebody wants to buy what you're selling. Um, then, you know, like to me, the so many decks you get, there is no traction. And I'm talking not fake traction, <laughs> real traction, right? People are giving up their hard-earned money to you, right? So, uh, and that's um, often I find makes companies less investable. It, it, it really, the best way to position your company uh, for it to be investable is uh, uh, raising capital from customers through a thing called sales. There's no, uh, you give up no equity uh, and uh, delight your customers and to the point that they're willing to pay for the problem you solve for them 
um, and you are the best, you do that enough times, investors will come looking for you. Um, and uh, I, I mean, it's, it's hard. So some people will say, oh, well, it's going to be easier to go to investors than customers. Um, well, you're you know. you're 100% correct on that. I'm a, a big fan of the, the sales perspective that, you know, with, with sales uh, and valid, it creates validation with validation creates interest. And then that kind of will stem and move forward from there. And anything that, uh, um, again, the same forum that we work with, it's if you build something that's great, people will chase you to give you money. Might take you some time to get there. So you're going to have to kind of feed it through the system. But eventually people will want to get on board because they see the value. You've created a validation. And um, what, I, what I loved about what you're saying on that corporate governance side is that there is a point in time where companies also need that governance and they need that help. Um, myself, not as uh, I don't take very many board seats at all, um, but recently have because we've had some companies that have really escalated in growth. And um, they uh, put that together just for the same reason that you talked about, which is governance and being able to ensure that they're moving down that path. Um, and I think having that knowledge and understanding of how governance can work inside of a fintech or inside of a business uh, that is fast moving at the time is really beneficial uh, because they've got the validation, but they're moving at a very quick space. And I think sometimes um, we tend to want to know everything, but uh, long and behold, there are areas of um, expertise that we may not carry. And those things do have to come uh, into a business to kind of validate it even further and, and help on that growth side, especially if you're going for larger investments. So um, I can see how that um, education and knowledge that you've garnered uh, would carry very well as these companies that you work with mature and, and start to uh, go bigger and need that kind of governance and support. There was um, a few other things that you mentioned earlier on and through some of the, of the material that I've read and watched that you've done and you've highlighted this a few times, which I think is, um, it seems to be part of your kind of your um, uh, mantra, which is coaching and advising and mentoring. Um, can you talk a little bit more about how and why more investors should look at this as being part of their uh, drive to help companies? Um. <clears throat> I guess I started doing it in the 80s. Uh, again, child of immigrants. And in the 1980s, I was the early young adult. And the uh, at that point, there was a tremendous amount of people from South America and from Southeast Asia migrating to Canada. And I was able to get involved in the Immigrant Services Society and help place a lot of newcomers to Canada, which really was... was uh, for me giving back uh, when we came to Canada, friends, neighbors, people at church help our family out with little, not we, when we came reasonably, uh, we weren't uh, refugees, but little things like, you know, uh, where, how to open a bank account, how to enroll your kids in school and how, you know, everything's different in a new country, uh, all those kind of stuff. So uh, the, the, at, that's where I kind of started. Uh, in that role. And then in my business career, um, again, getting into leadership roles early on in, in my life, um, that is really the, the most valuable thing that, that your, your team and people managing, people in first time management of people 
positions are looking for is coaching and mentoring. You're already technically competent. You've proven that. What you now need help with is the people side of the business, and uh, and that's often that really is the the role is 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 uh, is to help them become more effective leaders uh, you know, and become more uh, successful, and their teams become more successful. So it's been been again, it just comes uh, in in scaling your business as you get. Uh, multiple teams and leaders to each team and each of those leaders needs to be aligned. And if you get leaders of leaders, that's another uh, level of complexity where that's a whole new challenge for an individual. How do I initially, how do I get results as an individual? Then how do I get results through within through people? Then how do I get results within through people who are themselves having to get results within through people like this is, you know, um, um, a lot of fun to, to see people excel at that. And how do you, how does someone go about finding a mentor, like even like yourself, they look for like-minded skills, they look for opposite skills, like I'm a marketer, but I don't know tech, so I should find a tech mentor. Like, how does someone really go about finding a fit so that they can learn? Is it offsetting skills or is it to enhance the skill you have? Um it, it, it all depends on what your purpose is, what your goal is as an individual looking for a mentor. Um you know, uh, uh, I get, I, I'm pretty up front about it. I advertise it. I've been doing it. I, I mean, I've been active through the university campuses, mentoring MBA students, uh, entrepreneur programs when we were out in West, uh, done some activity here with the University of Toronto now through the angel community, through, I think it's called TRIEC in Toronto, Toronto Regional Immigrant Group. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn to me, uh, I, 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 the, one, the one thing no one will ever say that they've reached out to me for mentoring that they didn't get, they were never ghosted. Uh, it's just, if I can't help you, maybe I can help send you to someone who can or introduce you somewhere. Which uh, is great. Yeah. It's a good way to kind of help everybody move them in the right position, right? You can't mentor everybody, but you can find a good fit. Oh, and, and, you know, that's, uh, I think if we talk about, you know, revitalizing the economy after this recent economic downturn we've experienced this year. Uh, and it starts, uh, it's not just financial capital. And that's, what's the reason, what, what's the name of my, of our holding company is cerebral capital. And we think that's the most valuable capital because that's really the capital everybody starts out with. Uh, we all start out with this some amount of cerebral capital, and now how do we how do we grow that? We grow that through learning, self learning, education, uh, awareness, uh, and that's what in O2 when we formed that that business. That's we thought. Well, what do we what do we really start with? Well, we showed up. You know, we had some privilege to the family we were born into. However, uh, at some point in your life. It's your wits, it's your smarts, it's your business savvy, uh, right? Because uh, there's some people who are given a tremendous amount of opportunity, but they're completely unprepared and it's uh, opportunity wasted. Uh, and other people are extremely prepared. And when they meet opportunity, it's just magnified, um, right? So it almost sounds like there's a good opportunity for most people to really be able to give back by offering mentoring and coaching 
based on the experience they've had. And it can be very specific just to marketing or just operations, but there's a lot that they can give back if they just took a few minutes to figure out how can I actually give a hand to an early stage company or how can I help guide somebody through a problem that they're having uh, because I may have faced it or I just rather enjoy listening to these problems and seeing if I can offer uh, some guidance through, through that process. Yeah, and I found my whole life uh, approaching people older than me and, you know, because now I'm a person of a certain age, <laughs> uh, that uh, everybody is willing to, if you ask, people are willing to give you their opinion. And the nice thing about medicine, it doesn't always come, it doesn't always taste good, but it's often good for you. Um, but, uh, you know, don't worry about the vessel in which the advice comes. Uh, take the medicine. Uh, you know, sometimes you can, you know, the, there's not a fit between you and the mentor, but that's okay. Uh, there's others, but there's always something to be learned. Agreed. Yeah. Yep. I found that um, if you, sometimes we have a tough time listening and I, I realized that listening, it's this um, piece where everybody thinks that you're supposed to just sit back and listen to everybody talk or just take everything in, which again, you should, it's great to listen. But I think sometimes we forget what we're trying to listen for. And there's uh, a lot of signs or signals that come through conversation, come through one-on-one, -on -one, through mentoring. And I think sometimes we listen and maybe we might hear it twice and we think we should action it. And I think uh, a lot of times people don't go with their gut or they don't listen to those second times it brought up, or maybe it's even once it was brought up. And uh, I find that, you know, it can open your mind. Um, uh, an example I had, uh, um, I was... Uh, walking through our fund at uh, Whole Foods about a year ago. Uh, no, just in January. And um, there was a, um, an Asian gentleman sitting beside us and he was listening to the pitch the whole time. And uh, he, uh, at the end, when the gentleman left, he came up to me and he said, so you're selling this, you're doing this, you're doing that. And I was like, oh yeah, hey, nice to meet you. And he went right on telling me everything. And then at the end of the conversation, after he regurgitated everything that I had said for about three minutes, he said, do you want a car? I was like, yeah, what kind of car? And I was like, what? And because I didn't know who this guy was, I was afraid to kind of share it. But he was like, uh, do you own a house? Do you invest in stock? And he was just drilling me. And uh, he goes, if I'm going to buy into you, you need to tell that guy. That's what you didn't tell him. You need to tell him everything that you have. And that's what's going to go because I'm not investing in anybody that doesn't have all those things. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, all right, no, that's fair enough. And I went, I drove home. It was a little on and on about that, but I drove home and I thought about it. And I said, you know what? That was some really good advice because I, when you're talking about something, you maybe aren't selling yourself the way that you need to. And sometimes you got to share a little bit to give a little bit and et cetera, to take a little. So I think sometimes in coaching and mentoring, we kind of do the lip service of it, but I think you really got to listen to the underlying words of what's being shared. Uh, and it doesn't matter where they're coming from, like you mentioned, different vessels uh, or different ways to achieve it. But sometimes there's some hidden messages that you kind of got to look at because everybody brings a little bit of value if you're open-minded to hearing it. That's the introspective side of the leader. Um, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of my mentors, I'm, whenever he would come to me with his good advice, I'd argue with him till, till like eventually he was like, okay, I got to go home now and disagree with him and argue and disagree. And then, and, and then he finally said to me, he goes, the difference is you will argue 
your position so long that people finally give up. And he goes, but the next day, you've thought about everything. And then he says, and then you would come into me the next day and go, okay, yeah, we'll do it your way. Because, but you, at that time you get right caught up in the battle and, and part of, you know, being an entrepreneur is being passionate about what you believe in. And that means you got to hold, you hold on to it. Uh, and, and, and it's like going to see a customer and they don't, they don't get the value of your product. You're going to keep on convincing them until you're convinced them. Right. Uh, because that's your role. However, uh, he said, you know, you, you would just, you would never drop, you would never drop it. You would never let it go. He goes, but then the next morning I could tell you thought about it all night. Cause then you'd come in and go, yeah, okay, you're right. I was wrong about this. And that's, you know, and what have you. He goes, and that's, uh, uh, so I've been, have had a lot of very patient mentors uh, with me. It helps you learn and grow. Right. And, and just think that I'm sure that the next time that that occurred and that customer said, I'm not interested, you stopped and asked the question, what, what am I missing here? How can I help you? And maybe that's where you got that learning and that helped you get that customer more in tune with you. And you became, uh, you built a relationship from it. So I think like anything, it takes time learning and Hey, we're not, uh, uh, we're not going to catch everything the first time, but they won't get by me the second time because uh, we're going to be quick enough to catch it. Right. Yeah, no, it's, uh, but it, 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 it is. It, I know a lot of companies are looking for money. Um, but often the free ideas that a, a good advisory board can give you or the introductions they can make or the network they can open you up to is more valuable than the investment that you may get from them, right? Yeah. You know, like $100,000 of equity is... is or, or the introduction to the multi-million dollar customer, right? Which is more valuable. Well, we all know which is more valuable, but we don't. We forget that um, often in 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 our because you get you know we get myopic, right? Where I'm the CEO, I'm in the capital raising. That's my job. Um, but um, if 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 the right advisors can position help you position your company with 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 beta customers or trial customers or uh open up you know it, it it's taken those mentors decades to develop those networks and that reputation and when they're willing to introduce you the the social proof that they bring um it, it's like you know you've taken you've compressed sales cycles for people Agreed. Uh, right. Or, or on supplier negotiations. Um, you know, they can introduce you to often suppliers. Uh, you're dealing with somebody, but you don't know that this individual is actually a middleman. Uh, and somebody in your network who's got 10, 20, 30 years of having done this, well, well, yeah, okay, but I actually know the source over here. We can go straight to the source and Im improve your cost structure. So there's, right. Or, or, attracting talent um the the mentor and his rolodex rolodex is like uh, the old version of linkedin uh, uh has that network they can help you round out your founding team uh and again they're vetted no one's going to bring forward somebody who they wouldn't feel highly confident working with themselves so there's a tremendous amount of value in uh, 
uh, I think in the angel investor community, that is often not tapped um, by uh, early stage startups. Um, that uh, is often, I think, much more valuable than than the money that they're out to raise. Hundred percent, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I, I believe that there's uh, a lot of knowledge, and if you don't ask questions, you're not going to find it. And I think. Um, if the message is here that uh, we get to share after day t- today to the to the startup is ask questions, like learn to open up, share, find the right people to bounce ideas off of, test people, throw something at them and see what comes back. Uh, build some loyalties, um, but find some experience that's going to help you uh, uh, build forward. So um, I think we've uh, we've gone through this nice, great journey from kind of where you've come from and and sharing uh, ways to work inside a business, uh, building passion, building a mission, having visions, getting coaching. Um, I think there's a huge amount of value there that you guys are and yourself and your uh, business are really bringing into those startups and getting them ready for investment. Um, so I think the uh, the environment and the ecosystem are obviously thanking you for that and taking all those years of experience that you've brought in. So we're going to kind of transition now into our rapid fire questions. So um, uh, we have a few of those, and then we've got maybe two or three quick questions that we're going to ask, um, but we're almost there, but so far it's been awesome. Um, so rapid fire. Um, first question, what is your favorite part of investing? Um, it's, it's the potential, seeing, the, seeing what could be the potential of, 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 of a, the seed of something new, right? The, the possibility that and the positive out customer outcomes that we might achieve through this venture. I love it. How many companies do you invest in per year? It, it's not a specific number. Uh, since 02, we've been involved in about 24, uh, sometimes more, sometimes less. Uh, but there's no, it's not really about, we must do uh, X number this year. There's uh, no quota, which is good. Yeah, no, but, you know, I got on one boss, and uh, you know, we're we're more we're more concerned about uh, uh, really not the number of companies, but it's really about impact, finding impactful opportunities where we can add value. I like it, impact and value. Um, is there a vertical that you like to focus on, or set of verticals? So yeah, my my whole career has been in the application of technology to, uh, to the to the financial sector so financial innovation in uh, what's now i guess nowadays this is all called uh, now it's called fintech or cred tech or reg tech or insure tech <laughs> um, but uh, all of that was just simply the application of digital uh, uh, technologies to traditional financial processes uh, to uh, you know that's that's where that's where that's where that's where I've got deep domain expertise. Perfect. Uh, any due diligence requirements that you try to uh, make sure that you bake in before you make any investment? N- nothing that isn't really that that isn't really best practice for for any other investor. Nothing okay. unusual. Timelines for investment. Um, buy and hold, really, for as long as we can get enterprise value uh, to grow. And as long as we see continued growth and as long as that growth continues to be at a return on capital, that is better than we could get elsewhere. Okay. Because what's the point? I mean, 
It's like the stock market. Why sell that stock if you've got nowhere else to put it? So it's kind of a bit of a, a bit of a Warren Buffett strategy applied to to what we do. Not that we're anywhere near that level, but you know. I like it. It's good. Uh, do you guys lead rounds? We have, but not always. Yep. Okay. Any preferred terms? Pref shares, common safes? Uh, convertible pref shares or common. Really, it's about alignment with the founders. Whatever aligns best with the founders and in in the in the opportunity. Okay. Do you do follow-on investments or take board seats? Uh, we have. Well, yes, we do, and yes, we have, but not always. So these are not. Every situation is 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 independent of other each other each 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 previous situation. Okay. Any notable companies that you want to share that you're really excited about? Um, well, I think I'm pretty proud of what what a lot of the companies we're involved in have done since March. Um, the pivoting, uh, and and in some ways, it's really helped them get clarity around their value proposition and what their noble purpose is, um, because they are. Uh, we just had some great news today. One of our companies. Uh, video link. Uh, I, I I just got the email, but they have. Uh, think if you think about blog blog bloggers, you you write your article and then you share it. Video link, you create your video, and you can. We could put today's video out on twenty five different video platforms at the same time, um, and it's being used by broadcasters and, and it's used by, the, the, for example, the religious community is using it for their members who can't attend, they can't go to church, temple, or mosque. So they, so, you know, there's, and, and, and it's being used for, for by the political community, government, it's being used by all sorts of forms of government, uh, where people can access government, whether it's city government or federal government. Video link, they were used in the recent events in the U.S. during the U.S. election. We, I think we had 22,000 participants on a stream, uh, including the, the current, uh, uh, current, I guess, what do you call him? Donald Trump was on, uh, on and, and fighting for his, <laughs> his position and, and all the lawyers were on this platform. Uh, so I just got the email from them. We're, we're excited. That's, it's, it's really made like, you know, the, the, uh, celebrity, uh, the acting and, and entertainment, industry is really shut down. Uh, these tools allow uh, musicians to broadcast from home. If you've got a cell phone, we can, you can, using our app, you can broadcast to up to 25 platforms at, at once. So you can grow your, your home audience. Very excited about that. One of the other companies is a company actually out at, uh, we have a development shop in Pakistan as well. Uh, and uh, they are offering their restaurant app. So it allows any independent restaurant to have all the power of a big chain and uh, their app's free. It's been free since COVID time, uh, really trying to grow their base. Um, so that's, you know, uh, we, we had a, uh, you know, so it's that, it's this, it's not just, they're validating their business and their model, but they're also, being very responsible about it uh, and they're being very 
what I would say, quote unquote, Canadian about it. They're very uh, uh, charitable about it. They're not, you know, yes, they're getting product validation, but they're, uh, they're not being, uh, taking advantage. They're taking advantage to get product validation. They're not taking advantage to. Uh, so if you're in a restaurant business and you, you can't make ends meet right now because the, the, the intermediaries take most of the fees, this allows you to be completely independent. You can do uh, have your menu, have your website, have your dry, have your deliveries, have your pickup, and all of that from an app um, for free. Um, so we're excited about that. So that video link is the one I talked about. The other one is Unmile. Uh, they go to our site on the portfolio page. We got links to all of them. Um, uh, another company out of New Westminster uh, that is uh, father and son duo have. Uh, completely digitized supply chain. Um, so traditionally supply chain, physical supply chain was a hassle. Emails, in-person meetings, samples, shipping back and forth. They've completely digitized this. So it's a total quality management system. It uh, connects uh, every, it's, it's reputation management. So in your, you know, a lot of uh, companies in, if you're industrial designer and engineer, who uh, you can upload your your drawings, and you can completely see every every manufacturer in the process. Uh, so you're you you it's ISO certified process, but also from a reputation man, you don't want to find out the child labor was used, or in some way in the manufacture of your process. This uh, a it makes the whole thing more efficient, transparent, uh, and more costly. Uh, and uh, you know, so there's a number of these. Uh, tools that have really, um, you can see it like in e-commerce, right? E-commerce went from what, 20% market penetration in February to almost 40% penetration six months later. Uh, I think a lot of startups with digital solutions uh, have had accelerated growth because they were able to, the need was at more than ever for, for what they provided. Uh, and, you know, the, the platform we're using today is probably the best example of that, right? Everybody used video chat. Everybody had video platforms. But, I mean, it's been around for, for more than a decade. Uh, but Zoom just gave a better user experience at a time when, it, you know, it couldn't have been better. And it's become a verb, right? That is so true. That is so true. But those are, they sound like three great companies and, and looking forward to learning more about them. Uh, so there's uh, uh, the, the last question that we'll dive into uh, just quickly is uh, in all the experience you've had and all the things that you've been doing in this startup world, is there a heartfelt story of a startup that just blew your mind away that they went from uh, um, almost failure to just taking off or something that just really caught your uh, attention that you really thought, man, these guys really made a great job or uh, she was fantastic at how she overcame this barrier. Anything like that that stands out? The community loves these little story, war stories that are just um, really give you that juice to keep going. Well, yeah. So this is a husband and wife team. I met them in 2017 in Vancouver on commercial drive at a coffee shop. And they had this grand vision for their business. Uh, uh, they were both what I would say knew way, way, way more about coffee than I ever thought you could know about coffee. Um, they, uh, 
and they really wanted to change uh, that industry. Uh, they uh, would travel to Colombia, buy the coffee direct from the farmer, which uh, uh, is, uh, uh, has all sorts of positive consequences on farming in Colombia because there's, there's a competitive forces there where uh, there's other things you could be growing uh, mm -hmm. that can make, we can make a lot more money for your family. Uh, but maybe not so good for society, and uh, and uh, so they 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 import the coffee. They uh, they started roasting the coffee, uh, and again initially they 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 got some some bandwidth in somebody else's facility. Um, they were delivering their product was delivered. It was a, it was a unique coffee. It's won all kinds of awards, and they were delivering it through the boutique cafes uh, across the world uh but you know it was it was a startup and and, and uh, you know we it's week to week cash you know uh, but we really paid attention to our cash and we had this fledgling little direct to consumer following happening march hits um and they're just good people some of the uh, the cafes returned the coffee and asked for refunds and before they checked with me, they gave them refunds. Uh, now I don't—I'm not at all an owner in this business. This is a company I work with through uh, Futurepreneur, um, right. and uh, and uh, so cash can be tight, and you put your. You know, but I mean, that's just good people that they are. Um, July, um, and they moved to a subscription model, so you can now have the coffee direct to your home. Uh, July, they booked sixty thousand dollars. Awesome. From a from you know you you take the annual you take the and it's an annual reoccurring you take that's a monthly reoccurring revenue stream, uh, um, right? Um, so do we, they have their own vehicles now. They have their own plant. They have their own roasting equipment. Uh, all of that's off of Bootstrap, uh, and uh, you know that's a you know so it it isn't always. Um, software and hardware Agreed. Right? Yeah. Um, right so it's that's a, an interesting fan. company uh, yeah so go to it's go to hello luna coffee if and it, go to their website it's just a cool it's just a cute little thing uh it's just it just makes you feel good when you go to the website the great people to deal with um it's very personable they have an instagram account um and if uh have you know subscription coffee and uh, you know why not you have subscription wine you have subscription dollar shave club you've got all kinds of other subscriptions uh, you know and you're doing something good for for uh, the independent farmers in south america agreed no i love the process i love how they did that and and i like the hustle i like all the yeah. things that they've done that sounds amazing so a great story so now we're going to get into something real quick which is personal and uh, I learned this through a podcast, the company that we were working with. And I thought, you know what? These podcasts are great. They're super businessy. I'm learning lots. The environment's learning lots. But I got to get something that makes this a little bit more personal. So uh, the first one, which is I'm taken back from the beginning, which was the one thing about you that nobody would know. And so we'll jump on that one. And then I'll go through the next three. You know, I wish I, uh, I've been trying to think about that since I knew that question was coming. <laughs> and I honestly have a hard time actually answering it because I'm, I'm, as my wife says, you're too much of a sharer. Uh, I have a hard time 
uh, coming up with something that that I wouldn't have shared with someone already. I, I'm uh, I'm not a not good at keeping secrets about myself. Uh, so. All right. Well, that's all right. Well, then we can yeah. skip on to the next one. That means it's, uh, you, you're, you've got out there. I like doing it because I created it as a unique identifier. So oh, cool. That's cool. That way, that way people, because I don't remember names very well, and I always remember details and facts. So uh, it's numbers, and I'm sure I'm not going to call you uh, investor number 65, so that doesn't work. So yeah. I have to come up with something else that identifies. Yeah. And, oh, no, I get it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And I do the same thing with students because uh, I won't remember his name, but I always remember the kid that told me that he's uh, Chinese. He looks like he's Vietnamese, but he's actually Chinese. So I'll remember that kid forever because that was quite clever and funny. So, um, but uh, there's um, the next question is, what's your favorite sports team? Uh, it's my it's the uh, my son's U16 soccer team. I like it here All in right. Etobicoke. All right. They, this this whole season they've been they they haven't been able to play. Uh, but they've been practicing uh, in the in when it was winter out. They were been practicing in the summer. They are ready for anybody, but you know, just waiting for for a game. But uh, uh, love the energy and love the enthusiasm, love the the purity and the innocence of those boys, and just the um, they're all you know they get usually at this age the they a lot of lot of you know the the soccer really kind of reduces and there's less and less players and you know becoming a teenager and you know got other interests um and so and it's obviously the the best players and the really good players and and they got a great coach and great manager so that that's my favorite sports team i love it i actually four years ago i went and got uh uh, recertified as a coach and I did coach the U boys 16 soccer team for uh, two years and uh, fantastic experience. It was um, it, the bad news bears. Like the team wasn't um, uh, the most equipped best players, but by the end of the year, man, were we singing winning games and everything. So it was a lot of fun. So I totally hear where you're coming from. Uh, no, I've been going to every single practice sitting there while well, sitting there, or whatever in my car. Cause you know, I love to go out to the practice. Uh, yeah, we've had no games. Just you know, they're ready. They're they're ready. They're they're trained up. They're ready. They're waiting. You know. Yeah, sounds uh, like it. Yeah. Yeah. Pent up. Yeah. Uh, spend all your time practicing <laughs> one damn game. I hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. Um, okay, so the next question's two parts. What's your favorite movie, and what character would you play in the movie? Um, I. Uh, I probably would say the the, uh, the first Godfather movie. Ooh, that's the first one, not the. <laughs> uh, okay, and, and which character? Uh, and I and I I found the uh, the because I found the character of Michael Corleone really uh, in that first movie. He wasn't the bad guy. He was just a dutiful son. Uh, who, uh, who, who? They had a very different plan. He had a very different plan, and they had a very different plan for him. But things changed in the family business, so to speak. <laughs> and uh, 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 he, he uh, made a very different, you know, pivot in his life. Uh, I found that uh, that sense of duty and the stoicism of that character. Uh, I found that very appealing. 
Yeah, I like that. I, I'm actually That's something. Uh, that, something that I'm. Uh, I'm not sure if I. I don't think I'd be up for that. But <laughs> <laughs> I know. But you know what? I, I've been uh, throwing these in, and uh, I want them getting a lot of great movies from like the '50s and just movies I never would have thought. And then the reference point, which I really like, is that when you deep dive into it, you can see that the similarities of the character and the person you're talking with, how much they actually resonate, like the calmness the articulation, the way that uh, you strategize, and, and it really does work. Um, the, the, my favorite one was uh, uh, a gentleman out of the U.S. Um, he just was like, he was, I'm Star Wars, Yoda. <laughs> and I was like, that's amazing. I thought, I thought you'd be more of, uh, and I, I thought, man, like you're a Lando. Like my head just went to Lando right away. And he's like, nope, Yoda. And I was like, I can see that. Yep, super calm thinking about it, but he was so much energy. So I was like, Lando's got more energy than Yoda, but uh, I just thought it was great. So it's been a really fun question. So I got a few movies that I've got to line up. Now I've got a series of Godfather movies I'm going to have to watch. So, But it's the uh, first one, the original one. Whenever they do a two and a three of anything, yeah. you can tell the writer never planned that, right? <laughs> That's true. That's true. But you still got to watch them. So yeah. you got to go through them all. Um, well, Carl, uh, it's been a pleasure. It's been awesome to learn about everything that you've talked about. I got lots of notes. I'm a note junkie, so I like to write down all the quotes and lines and everything. That was great. Uh, half the time you can't read it because I'm trying to write as fast as I can while concentrating on what we're talking about. But again, I appreciate uh, you sharing and everything that you've brought to the table here. It's been phenomenal. And the way we like to end our show is that I want to leave you with the last word. So anything you want to share to the entrepreneur world or anything you want to share to investors, um, I turn it over to you and, and leave you with, uh, with that last word. Um, yeah, I, I, I've been hearing a lot that uh, people are putting off uh, their startups because of the world events. There is not a better time on the planet to start a business than at the, at the now. Um, look at all the great companies that came out of 0809. Look at all the great companies that came out of 2000 and 2001. The most valuable company on the planet today was worth two and a half million dollars in 1995, right? Uh, when uh, they were public, when the NASDAQ crashed in 2000 and thought, you know, and, and so, you know, it, there's, uh, there, don't put off uh, what you're doing. The angel investing community, the startup community is alive and well. There is more capital available now than ever. Uh, and uh, you just need to, you know, uh, get your, get ready to uh, be, be able to articulate the value prop. And uh, there are more businesses willing to buy solutions to problems that in the past they may not have gotten around to because this environment has created an, an urgency to solve those problems. We've seen some great companies over the summer, uh, everything from, from uh, the better uh, ways to build ventilators to how to identify uh, um, uh, people who may have uh, symptoms. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, every one of these, this is, this is, this is the time, this, is the, this should be the catalyst to start, uh, don't delay. Uh, if you've got solutions, people want to hear them. People want to support them. Customers want to pay for them. Um, so you know, 
don't put it off any longer if you're you know if you're waiting for a sign to start your company okay jeff and i are giving you that sign right now i love it i love it yes the green light is on go for it don't hold back brilliant absolutely well, I love it. Thank you very much again, Carl. Uh, brilliant. Enjoyed the conversation. Hope we get to do it again. A lot of fun. Looking forward to it. All right. That was fantastic. Carl was always great. Fantastic. I love the idea of uh, how he went through for the Board of Certifications. Um, I really love that we really talked heavily about the whole concept of how the business functions and operates and how you build that culture, build that vision, get a mission, drive it. Everybody comes together. Um, and it starts right at the beginning. Something small works your way up. Uh, great background with his parents coming in from the Netherlands, being entrepreneurs, him going out and attacking the world and then coming back and doing the same thing and going after the entrepreneurial side. Um, great investor, does a lot of great things in the community. Uh, it's been a pleasure working with him. So uh, check it out. Anything we can help with. Thanks, Carl. Enjoy the, uh, the interview. <laughs>